Welcome to Energy Radio. Today's episode is episode 56, and we have uh, a good friend on the show today, and he was very hard to get for today's show. It took us a while to get him, so it's a minor miracle we're here. But first, I will welcome, uh, as always, uh, my favorite co-host, Lisa Barber. Welcome. Hello there, Matt. Happy Friday. How are you today? I'm good. It's a beautiful sunny day, as always, in uh, southern Ontario, and um you're, those who will be listening to this, will uh, it'll be hard to believe, but uh, today we're recording it on the 11th of June, and uh, finally the Ontario government has released the shackles, and uh, the restaurants are open, and non-essential shopping is open again at 15%, so our American listeners probably didn't understand any of that last sentence because <laughs> it's so far from what their reality is, but it's a good day. Uh, without further ado, we will uh, introduce our our guest, who has become a friend over the years in the industry, and uh, hopefully we'll do a job together one day. Uh, welcome, <laughs> Mike Norelli from Northeast and Western Energy Systems. Did I get that right, Mike? Perfect. So happy and honored to be on the show, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Good to have you. I made the joke off the hop when I first saw you. Uh, maybe you don't remember this, but and I can't remember. I was trying to remember this morning if this was pre or um, post kind of the inception of Energy Radio. But you and I were at an event somewhere, and you, I think we had just started Energy Radio, and you said, oh, "I like that." I, you said, "I was, you were always dreaming about a um, social media kind of program of your own, right?" Um, do you remember? Do you remember that discussion? Well, was that down in Florida? I think it was down in Florida. We were, yeah, we were wandering around the aimlessly around the streets of Miami. Um, <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you remember the nature of the show? Of, of the show that I wanted to do? Yeah. No. Oh, you uh, don't. I'm a longtime listener of your guys' show. Mm. Uh, yeah. Wow, well, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, yeah so that's like, great. So like, obviously you like it, Michael. Do you have any good any uh, any suggestions for us? <laughs> suggestions? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Keep doing it. Right, like. Uh, I'm sure I'm probably similar to a lot of the listeners on the show or I'm a bit of an energy geek. So like going from week to week to learning about nuclear energy to hydropower to uh, things that I usually don't get exposed on, it's pretty cool, right? So um, uh, I really enjoy this. This podcast and the other one I listen to is, um, oh God, the Jigger Shaw's show. No, oh, Energy, energy Gang. Gang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And when, when Jigger got pulled up, to go work for the the, the U.S. AOE. government, yeah. I, I I thought uh, either Matt or Lisa, you guys are going to get the tap to to fill in for him, but uh, we were, I guess we were could both, pay enough. We were both ready, but the the phone didn't ring, and that's fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> totally get that. Um, now, long time listener, like, are you long time listener? Like, you you listened to the Tom Smith episode, which was pre, you know, like four or five, <laughs> not far yeah, yeah. back. Or? I, I, of course, couldn't miss a Tom Smith episode. Uh, John Coleman as well. Right. Um, I, I also a mutual friend. So. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. Just, you're just waiting for the Ed Alcorta episode. Uh, <laughs> I was going to call him up before this and see if we could tag team it together. Oh, that uh, would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have we'll have to get on that. So um, that, that actually used to be my strategy for all of our sales calls. I'd bring Ed with me. And right. I'd, I'd do a song and dance and crack a couple jokes. And when they started asking technical questions, like, and there's Ed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's very, very good people. So your, your, um, your content idea was something like uh, engineers in powerhouses drinking coffee or something. Like it was, it was, oh, it yeah, was, that's right. do you remember? I, I, I totally forgot about that. 
even when you first mentioned the minute ago, I'm like, I don't remember having this this idea. But you're right, it was. It was like it, it was a playoff Jerry Seinfeld show. Like right. comedians in cars getting uh-huh. coffee. It was engineers in in boiler rooms drinking tea or something like that. Well, it's, it's unfortunate. It that our like that. <laughs> it's unfortunate that our listeners can't uh, can't see our screens because uh, Mike has a background up with a Yenbucker engine in the background, so he's. Uh, He's basically, you know, call it a bit of a powerhouse, and he's sipping a cup of coffee as well. So he's uh, he's making the the podcast dream a reality, I think, on his end. Yeah, Lisa, <laughs> this is in the background. My boss Al Clark makes me live in here until oh, I, I sell oh, really? something every month. Yeah, so it's been eleven days in June. I haven't sold anything, so I've been living inside this uh, uh, engine container at the Pittsburgh airport, where we have uh, twenty megawatts of a of a power plant there. Um, so I go from, we have five of these. So I just go from, uh, each one Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So this, this is the Friday one. So you're, you're cooking your food off the block. Are you? Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Plenty of hot water for tea. <laughs> we, 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 we send our regards to Mrs. Norelli and the Norelli children as, as you travel around the world. Uh, as our listeners might be able to tell, we don't have a, a list of questions for today's episode. Uh, we're, we're trying a new strategy here. So far, it's failing. Um, <laughs> but M- M- Mike, um, give us give us your backstory. Give us your origin story. You're a you <clears throat> You are a superhero in the uh, CHP space, but every superhero has an origin story. Why don't you give us yours? Yeah, I- I'm hardly a superhero, um, but I'm happy to share my origin story. Uh, where to start? So, born and raised in upstate New York, uh, just outside Albany. Um, maybe one interesting fact from my origin story is when I was in fifth grade, my parents, they were both educators. My mom was a high school math teacher and my dad was a middle school principal. Decided to take a little adventure and we moved to Athens, Greece together as a family for two years. So that was kind of like a really neat, informative, I'd say, experience of just like packing up, going to a country you don't know anybody and kind of starting a new life for two years. And uh, it was super fun. Like I, I look back at that and I wish I could provide, and maybe I still will be able to provide my kids a similar experience, but it was really neat like going into a classroom and the the Irish kid is an Irish American. He's, he's from Ireland, right? He's the, the other the person next to him is an Italian American. No, they're from Italy. And, um, it was a very international school, so we had kids from Europe, Middle East, Asia, U.S., Canada, mm. and uh, I think it was one of those experiences where, like, I guess maybe one of my biggest takeaways from that experience mm. <clears throat> uh, was that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all kind of hardwired the same. Like, it didn't matter where you're from, like, everyone kind of wants their friends to like them wants their parents to be proud of them, wants to do the, like do good in school and, and show that they're able to uh, achieve things, wants to be like, picked on someone's basketball team. And I think that that was really informative to me just like of how similar we all are despite where we come from and, and um, what education level we had or whatever it is. So that was a pretty cool experience uh, living in Greece for a couple of years. Then moved back to uh, Albany, New York, uh, and finished up high school, did uh, mechanical engineering for undergrad. Uh, it's kind of nomadic in my 20s. Where'd you study? I did my undergrad at uh, Lehigh University. It's a small school outside uh, Philly, kind of in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, actually, cool story there. I did my internship at the Crayola Crayon Factory um, in Easton, PA. So uh, imagine like walking around and seeing crayons of every color everywhere. So that was a pretty cool like first internship. And my claim to fame, and it really wasn't a claim to fame because that didn't actually happen, but it came very close. I almost named a new crayon color. They were coming out uh, with a new patriotic uh, US set of uh, 64 crayons and crayons like one through 50 were named after a state or something like that. And they had a contest to name the, the, the remaining 14 crayons. So I was an intern at the time. So I, uh, I submitted my crayon color of um, Rosie the Riveter for a rose color crayon. Oh, and I wrote this whole essay about like how it would be nice to like a, a girl or, or boy for that matter would be color with a crayon and could ask who Rosie the Riveter was and talk about um, women's contributions to the World War II effort. But sadly, I was not selected. I made it to the finals, but I was not selected as the color. So, so what's it like as a child growing up in the Norelli house when your dad is like, you know, got so much crayon experience? Like, you know, where you, <laughs> <are>. <laughs> you know, you know, um, at, at the time, uh, I didn't have any kids, but all my nephews and nieces and things like that, they got tons of and cousins for that matter, free crayons and model magic and cool Creole toys. So I, uh, I made sure anything that didn't pass quality assurance of the factory made its way back to a early household somewhere um but yeah yeah uh and actually another kind of interesting internship story so my first internship uh was at the crayon factory and then uh a couple years later with the grad school i did another internship but at a missile factory with, oh uh, wow a, yeah different so i was like Mike. yeah i was like like I, I think it'd be hard pressed to find someone that like jumped from crayons to missiles like that's a pretty big jump <laughs> In industries, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, did undergrad at Lehigh. Worked for Ingersoll Rand for a couple of years. Um, a couple of different locations. Worked on the, in the microgrid business for a bit when I was still part of uh, Ingersoll Rand. Went to grad school. Then uh, my wife said she wanted to move back, and frankly, I wanted to move back to the area we grew up. So uh, she wanted to move back to this Albany area. She, she's uh, that's probably another kind of influential point of my life I probably left out is I made a very important decision when I was 18 years old to ask uh, my wife to go to prom. She wasn't my wife yet, and uh, but we, we ended up getting married. So that was a um, married my prom date. Uh, and then after grad school, we, she, um, we decided to move back to Albany. And I wanted to do some of the energy industry. So anybody who knows this area knows that GE's uh, power headquarters is Schenectady, which is the town over. So I uh, decided to join their marketing program only because uh, it was the only position available at the time and had not taken a marketing class at all <laughs> before joining. So quickly, my last semester, I uh, took a marketing class to figure out what the hell marketing was and did that for a couple of years and, and had some fun and uh, somehow found my way into the Yenbacher business within GE and uh, kind of fell in love with the, the the, the Yenbacher gas engine and all the different applications it could be a part of. And so I did some marketing work for them, then some sales work. And then our biggest customer in North America was Northeast Western Energy Systems, so the company that I work for now. And mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun to, to move from an OEM role to more on the ground in terms of developing and installing and uh, maintaining 
uh, on-site and distributed energy projects. So that's what I've been doing now for the last couple of years. So how, sorry, how many years have you actually been with them then, Mike? So I've been with my with Northeast Western Energy Systems for almost three years now, but I was interfacing with them for probably seven or eight years Okay. Uh, when I was back at GE. Cool. That's a great story. I love how you, uh, when, when Matt and I ask most people, you know, a little bit about their background story, their origin story, you know, they, they kind of dive right into the the typical kind of career answers, which is great. You know, it's 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 good to know that. But I love how you intertwine the family piece and the, you know, the traveling yeah. piece and what that meant to you. Um, that that's great. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were gonna, when you said when when did you go to Greece? What how old were you? So fifth and sixth grade. So what's that? That's like uh, 10, 11, 12 in that range. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. For our Canadian yeah. listeners, that's grade five and grade six. Just to translate, you guys, you guys say fifth grade, we say grade <laughs> Thanks for the translation. Actually, you know, another kind of interesting fact, I don't know if I should share this on the radio, but my first girlfriend, well, actually, she might have been my second girl, girlfriend. My my first girlfriend in Greece was actually uh, Canadian. No so there you go. Wow. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. We, we uh, That's not this kind of show, so we won't unpack that. <laughs> I thought when you when you said when you were talking about your parents picking up and taking you somewhere in fifth grade, I thought you were going to say they brought you to some, you know, marquee uh, cogen plant and that that planted the seed of uh, I, I tell story. Lisa knows this. I tell stories that, um, you know, growing up, my father was in the hydroelectric business. And so, you know, every every family vacation, we had a, a trip to the local uh, local hydroelectric dam wherever we were camping or something in Ontario. And so. That kind of that kind of awesome. planted planted the seed for energy, and so I was kind of destined for this space, you know, rightly or wrongly. So, yeah, um, very very cool. Yeah, I, I'm with Lisa. It's a great great backstory. So at, at Northeast Western Energy Systems, uh, what are you? Uh, a A What does the company do? Uh, B Do you do anything there? And if you do, what do you do there? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I do do something there. Some would argue it's not enough, but uh, I do do something at the company. Uh, so what we do as a company and an organization is we um, develop, integrate, and maintain uh, on-site uh, power plants, specifically gas engine-based uh, power plants. Uh, we have about 300 uh, Yenbacher gas engines that we've sold across uh, the U.S. and actually a couple in Canada as well. Um, we've got 50, a lot of it's probably a good mix, I should say, is uh, between natural gas, CHP, biogas, landfill gas. We have a couple of syngas projects that we're doing now in California as well. Um, so we'll do all types of uh, different types of gaseous fuels. And um, my specific role is in sales and development. So I work with consulting engineers like yourself, um, developers, end users, and we try to help uh, help them determine if doing an on-site energy project makes sense for them or a distributed energy project makes sense for them. And I'm a big believer, and this is what I always tell our clients, is that on-site energy or distributed energy, they're just glorified math problems. So my job at the front of the process is really just to help do the math with them, we show all of our work, and then it's pretty clear if a project makes sense or not. So um, I, I, I think it's a fun role, and, and I yeah, I was an engineer by training in both in school and in the jobs I had right after school. So I think my parents are always, and my family was always surprised that I got into sales. But I explained to them it's not really like 
sales and the fact and like I'm really trying to be a pushy salesperson. The exact opposite. I'm, I'm apply engineering and and math and try to help our customers or potential customers. And, and that's that's kind of the fun part of the job. And I, I like trying to uh, educate or inform our customers or our clients or our partners on if we could help, how we could help. Um, it's cool. So that, that's, that's more, more of a consultive approach, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah exactly. Now, exactly. now, as far as uh, you know, <clears throat> engines are concerned, you mentioned Yenbucker. I think you guys are exclusively Yenbucker. Like you're not, you're not dealing with any other brands, are you? Is, is that right? Uh, we also uh, have access to Waukesha now as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's all. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the annual brand. Okay. And, and, and then we um, we're expanding into other technologies uh, also. So. We're now a distributor for uh, two biogas uh, upgrading technologies, an amine-based system with almond gas and oh, a yeah. biological scrubber with biogas clean. So oh, cool. we're installing a biogas clean system uh, out in California at a dairy project right now, coupled with one of our engines. Uh, we also have a partnership with Syncraft to do um, the gasification process. And do? I didn't know that. Is that new? How come you don't uh, tell yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll, uh, that's why I figured I'd come on the show and announce all these big things. That's right. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Um, what else we're doing? We're doing uh, one of your former guests on Energy Radio. We're doing an energy storage project with the guys at Esync. So uh, Scott Beaver team. Scott Beaver. Yeah. Another, wow. another, yeah. So. Another GE alum. Right uh, you know it. You know it. Yeah. I got the band back together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing that at one of our existing customer sites out in California. Um, uh. We're putting an energy, a long duration energy storage system uh, in California. And uh, yeah, and we're starting to dabble more into integrating solar and storage into our projects as well. So. Yeah, it's a fun time to, to be in the industry and, frankly, part of this company because we're, we're like the rest of the, I guess, uh, world transitioning to the, kind of the new realities of the, the power space and energy space. And uh, I, I think if you looked at our company 20 years ago, we were reselling engines, uh, and that's not what we do today. I mean, we have a full engineering team, mm -hmm. um, different type of engineering than you guys do, but like we partner with firms like you guys to make sure that engine gets integrated appropriately, um, define boundary conditions, and then also have field project management that shows up and, mm. and helps answer questions immediately in the field during construction or during installation. And uh, we find those are usually the MVPs of the team, right? Because that's when time is often literally money. So if you got to wait right. to go back to a factory or go back to HQ to get something answered, that, that eats up a lot of time and money if you have an expert on the ground as a thing is being installed, that's a differentiator that we found our clients really appreciate and value. So um, and then we have a whole product support team and remote monitoring and all that good stuff. And we're finding that a lot of those skill sets, while we kind of cut our teeth um, selling and developing gas engine based projects, whether they're for CHP or peaking or biogas applications, are extremely transferable to some of these other technologies, whether it's biogas upgrading, whether it's energy storage, um, e even some solar projects. We're, we're looking at putting solar on a couple sites right now as well. So um, yeah, it's exciting times. And it's fun to be part of the transition within the company and frankly within the industry. 
And Mike, from an execution standpoint, do you, uh, you know, obviously you get involved with the CHP or the peaking power, you know, asset itself. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you, and obviously you're developing these projects as well. So are you executing them also on an EPC, like engineer procure construct basis under the Northeast Western Energy Systems, uh, you know, company, or are you normally typically looking for partners like ourselves or others to you know execute it under a turnkey basis we like the partner method we'll we'll do whatever our customer asks frankly because we view all these every one of our customers and it's probably cliche to say we do view as a long-term partner but it's kind of true for us right because we're the maintenance provider so we got to stick around for the next 15 20 years to help maintain uh these assets Mm -hmm. so uh we tend to flex to whatever our customer thinks is best and, and 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 frankly, what we think is best for the job is maybe the better way to say it, because at the end of the day, it is a bit of a math problem. So one, the numbers have to work, but two, you got to make sure you're leveraging other people's strengths, uh, and not just within your team, but within other organizations too. And we've done some really cool projects that we're proud of uh, across North America, but I'd say maybe one of the biggest lessons learned from that process is that you can't do it alone. You need great partners. People that you could trust, people that bring uh, capabilities that are different and perspectives, frankly, that mm-hmm. are different uh, than your own. Uh, that's when you, that's one, it's more fun to do it with with uh, with partners and people you like. And then two, the odds of success are way higher. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. So. And then yeah. ge- geography wise, Northeast Western Energy Systems <clears throat> covers where? Is it, is it like... You know, northeast, meaning like northeast of the U.S., right over to the western side. Or you mentioned California, though, earlier as well. So how far east, west, north, south do you go? Yeah, we'll follow our, our clients where they go. Um, so okay. if, if, if um, someone's ba- if, if we're working with a company in Pennsylvania or like an Amoresco out of Massachusetts, we'll follow them on where their projects yeah. are. Um, but traditionally, if you look at where our infrastructure like organizational infrastructure is from like a, a parts and, and technician standpoint. It's kind of called like the mid-Atlantic. So DC, Maryland, all the way to Ohio, up through Maine on the East Coast. And the West Coast, it's uh, California, California, Oregon, Alaska, uh, Hawaii, Washington State. Um, we have assets and people in all those uh, places in the West Coast. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty we, big, we, pretty big area. Yeah, yeah, we have five or six uh, engines up in Alaska. We have two at the Sheridan Waikiki running on Oahu Syngas, actually, uh, uh, on Hawaii. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's 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 uh, it, it, sometimes the travel gets tough. Uh, being able to like, <laughs> I, I've done a trip, and this is embarrassing to say out loud. We had a meeting in Hawaii with an important customer, so I flew out there. I think on Monday, landed at like three p.m on Monday, it was totally exhausted. Got like a bowl of poke and a beer. <laughs> Went to sleep. Woke up the next morning for that meeting. Uh, and then had another meeting back in, I think it was Philly uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Oh so then man. Jumped back on the plane uh, on Wednesday, on Tuesday, it must've been, uh, Tuesday late afternoon, Hawaii time and landed in Newark on Wednesday morning and then drove to Philly. So like sometimes so- the time zones can get tough, but. Here, that, that's the, I don't do that every week, honestly. <laughs> here's a question, Mike. I mean, yeah. uh, we got, uh, you know, we have our, arguably um, 
you know, the preeminent energy BD person in Canada. Uh, and I, it's not even arguably on, on the podcast yeah. as my co-host. Yes. Yes. And then we have, you know, Michael Anthony Norelli the fourth, who's the preeminent. Oh, you you know, that. oh, I remember everything. The preeminent B, BD person for a CHP, um, you know, in uh, in in the U.S. Now that uh, John Coleman has uh, re uh, come back to Canada, what, let, let's. This is totally not energy necessarily, but you talk about those face-to-face client meetings. We're we're emerging from this COVID world. I'm interested yeah. from both of you, like. What does the world look like? Does that meeting does that meeting happen on teams like this, where you know the computer screens can uh, and the and the video can crap out, or do you still get on that plane and get back to Philly? I, I'm interested from both of you. I, yeah. I'm curious to hear what Mike has to say, and then I'll give you my opinion on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hopeful that we get back to more face to face meetings, but I'm also hopeful that it's a balance where we don't just feel the need to fly across the country or around the world for a meeting that we're a bit smarter on using technology like this. Um, I don't, it's not a one for one replacement for an in-person meeting, especially in an industry like ours, where it it is, you got to build a a relationship with the, the person you're doing work for trusts you because let's be honest like like we're building power plants like they may be small power plants but they're still power plants Mm -hmm. so things are going to go wrong during the design during um installation during operation it's just it's that's what happens when you have um machinery like this so you want to trust that the person on the other side of the table understands that you have their back and you're going to work with them to find a solution and you're not just going to point to a contract and say no that's that's not my responsibility or you messed it up. And that, that's something that I pride myself on. And I think we do a good job as a company on priding ourselves. So I'm trying to really build those relationships. And in one, you got to prove it by your actions, not just how you talk and what you say. Um, and then two, it, it, like any like any other good relationship in life, it, it doesn't get built in one meeting or two meetings It's or, or over a video conference or a phone call. Like it's, built over doing work together yeah and that often i think uh is measured in months and sometimes years in this industry so mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be a healthy balance is, is my hope is that like we'll still do a fair amount of in-person meetings but we'll do equal part or maybe even more or maybe less i'm not sure really what sure what the rate ratio is but a, a good amount of video conferences as well yeah i'm, I'm with you mike so i i think that uh I think that there was some probably some unnecessary travel in the past that all of us were yeah. doing as salespeople. And I think that's the stuff that needs to be minimized. I mean, keeps travel costs low, but also keeps you a little more targeted in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, really getting to visit the people that, you know, count. <clears throat> but there is a relationship piece that you can't develop over a screen. I mean, and yeah. it doesn't, you know, it's like um, <clears throat> the best way I always describe sales and business development is, is almost like a, uh, you know, dating or or just a friendship, right? Yeah. You don't you don't you don't create those relationships. You don't have mm. those personal conversations that are required to kind of create that bond. Yeah. And, and I say that bond because really that's what we're all striving for. And it's not just so that that you know client is always buying from CEM or buying from Northeast Western. It's it's really also about that you know they trust you. There's some credibility there. Yeah. <clears throat> And often people follow salespeople from, you know, one organization to another for that very reason, right? They've developed a relationship and 
um, you know, they've they've got that credibility and trust that that person's not going to either gouge them or, uh, you know, misdirect them. So I, I think the the in-person piece is still going to be necessary, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, learning about, look, like in your case, okay, you're being a little more open than some, you know, talking about your family, but, yeah. you know, you learn about people's families and you learn about people's pastimes and you... Uh, maybe even engage in some of that activity with them, right? Maybe you're going on, I don't know, bicycle rides or whatever with some of your clients. And it's not because you're trying to get necessarily business from them, but it's also because it's a friendship. It's a partnership. It's a, it's a good relationship, right? Yeah. yeah. Friendship's actually a great word to, yeah. to, to talk about what we try to do. At least what I try to do. Like, you're not going to be friends with everybody you do business with, but like, it's sure of a heck of a lot more fun when you are. <laughs> so, That's right. It is. So, I've tried um, where it makes sense and where it's like a natural fit. Like you don't force it. Like I, I consider a lot of the people I work with like close friends, um, yeah. both customers I deal with, suppliers I deal with, people on my team. Um, yeah, because life's too short, right? And, the, and there's there's probably better, easier ways to make a buck than the stuff that we do. So um, it's really important that you're having fun, I think, as you do it. And yeah. that's one thing that has always drawn me to your guys' show and, and you guys – as people and as, as your company too, is that I think you guys really do a good job of making sure you're having fun along the way too. Well, so, we certainly try, don't we, Matt? <laughs> we do. Try. Well, we don't, we, we don't try. It just kind of comes naturally. And I think that's, that's very what, true. Uh, why we have so much fun. But I, so on that same vein, Mike, I'm dying to ask, do you ride bicycles or motorbikes? <laughs> I know why this is coming. <laughs> I don't know why this is coming, but my wife and I were, um, we have a, a, a wedding on, October 30th this year. So it's a, yes. it's a costume wedding. So we're thinking about different costumes that we could wear. And one of our favorite, we, we've, we've always done co- like couples costumes. And one of our, one of my favorites, I suggested it for this wedding coming up, is that we dress as bikers. Okay. And, but I, I dress up as a cyclist, like a helmet and like <laughs> oh. And she dresses up as like a biker with like leather and like. <laughs> <laughs> and like a motorcycle biker, biker, and uh, she'll be, oh, biker, oh shit. <laughs> I think that's from Super Troopers, if I remember correctly. Uh, but before Matt gets into the reasoning yeah. why he's asking you that question, I think the yeah. two of you should actually switch. I don't know your wife very well, but I'm assuming she doesn't have your facial hair, and 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 I think that if you were to grow it, like you were sort of describing before we got on air. Uh, I think that oh, would Michael fit G. you into the biker category very, very well. You no, know, that's a great point, actually. And, you know, she is like she just did her 800th Peloton ride, so uh, she's she, she is the more uh, I guess cycler of the biker. Uh huh. Like, there you was. go. Sounds so, like you've got uh, a sales pitch to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like I do. <laughs> the, the the reason I ask about the bike, Mike, is that yeah, as you can see behind Lisa, she has a uh, a mechanically incorrect but a bike. <laughs> No drive chain. One, one, pedal, one pedal and no drive chain. Yeah. Um, it's a glider. It's a glider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I have always been amazed at, you know, Lisa's ability to connect with clients around two wheeled uh, appliances, whether it be, you know, road bikes, mountain biking in particular, uh, riding motorbikes. It, it, it's just baffling to me how many people participate in that. I, I, I do a little bit of road cycling, but not a lot. Fortunately, you know, I have I have kids. So, you know, kids is often also a, a launching uh, off, you know, connecting yeah. point. Uh, which now Lisa's a mom as well, so she's got that as well. But I just I, I didn't know if that was maybe I need to ride bikes and motorbikes more so I can be a better BD person too. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So no, let, I, Mike, let's get let's get back, Mike, to energy. So you know, we we talk about um, at least the energy that we're supposed to talk about on. The <laughs> <laughs> but when we talk about like you, you guys are getting into all different kind of things. Like, what does that look like? You know, with you and the rest of the team at Northeast uh, Western Power. Um, you know, how do you guys? Like, because you guys are the, you know, I when when I think the market thinks of you, they think of you as, you know, the green engine guys. That's a great product, mm-hmm. you know. But on the northeast, you know, uh, in burning natural gas, that's a bit of a no-no these days, right? And so, mm-hmm. how, what does that look like to pivot for you guys? How do those conversations happen? Is it, you know, how do your clients influence that? Like, t- talk us through, in just in general terms, how do you guys navigate that changing in energy landscape? Yeah, it, it's tough. Um, it comes from a couple of different angles. We're fortunate that our CEO is very forward thinking and, and, and wants to make sure we make this change on our own terms and, and not because we have to. So we've been thinking about this for a while and I'm a big believer of one, do what your customers ask. And then I'm also a big believer of continuous improvement. So like lots of small changes over a very long time period is how you change a company and how, how you get better um, as an organization and frankly, as a person too. Mm. So uh, we've been thinking about different partnerships we could form to be go to transform from being just the green engine guys, which we still love, right? Like we, we are, we bleed green uh, at uh, at our company for sure. You should see a doctor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you should see a doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, so Yembacher is still at the center of what we're doing. But if you look at some of the different technologies that we're starting to dabble into, they're all kind of based around the engine, right? So like a biogas cleaning system, so we can provide a more integrated solution to a customer or a developer or an engineering firm, right? Make their jobs easier. Um, same thing with um, the, the Syngas system that I talked about, Syncraft. Again, now we can provide um, from start to finish uh, one firm providing all the major components of a Syngas uh, power plant in California. And we maybe could wrap the whole thing that no one else could do. So that's, again, us trying to branch out slowly in a kind of a small way into the kind of new energy reality that we're seeing. And we're doing the same thing with solar and storage, where I don't see us ever being, well, maybe ever, but like not right now. Like our strategy isn't just like go out and, and sell a bunch of PV projects on some guy's roof, right? No, it's it's work with clients and, and say, hey, let's look at your energy bills. Okay, let's let's see what let's see what this on-site energy math problem looks like. And solar is another input into how we evaluate their facility. And for a couple of clients, it, uh, solar makes a, a great complement to one of our CHP systems. So that's where we're pitching to them, and that's what they're interested in, and that's what we'll deliver. That's if that's uh, where they want to go. So that's that's kind of how we're transitioning uh, is in an incremental way when our customers ask for it, but also trying to have the foresight to say where can we add the most value. So I, I think where we could differ, especially the solar and storage space in the in the CNI segment, I'd say is probably a bit crowded. So I, I don't want to go up against a solar pure play. I want to I want to be able to go to a client and say, hey, if you want an engine plus solar, an engine plus CHP or uh, storage, I, I could help you there, right? Either with a, a control system or with just understanding the technologies and how it integrates together, um, doing a maintenance wrap on the whole thing. Uh, I think that's the segment, the niche of the market where I think 
will have the most success uh, in kind of what's driving our strategy right now. Are you seeing growth in one area more than another right now, Mike? Like, are you seeing more of the solar PV thing or the microgrid type scenario? Or are you seeing more of the biogas? Uh, like, wh what are you kind of seeing as far as, you know, some of those uh, technologies that are kind of, mm -hmm. you know, ahead of the race? Yeah, um, we're, we're seeing a lot of buzz about all those things and not even on hydrogen on the mix too. Oh yeah. So all, right. oh, yeah. all we forgot about hydrogen. Normally yeah, that comes all, up a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were too busy name dropping that we didn't get Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, a lot of clients are asking us about hydrogen right now. If we could do it today, what would it take if we put a CHP system in and start blending it in five years? Mm -hmm. uh, so that that we find that interesting and we're talking to clients about that. And, and we're lucky that's it's you find it interesting, and and so do I. But I mean, do you think it's real? Like, like you know, just between us friends here. Like, uh, yeah, nobody no one else is listening. Right. <laughs> yeah, nobody else is listening. Uh, like, and, and I, I don't want to be cynical. I think it's the way of the future. But I mean, what does that practically look like? Like, it's nice to put on your marketing brochures and that kind of thing, and it's a good thing. But I mean, practically, what does that look like? Yeah. So right now, going back to on-site power is just a, a glorified math problem. The math doesn't work economically, right? Uh, at least the math that I've done. So that said, we have engines. Like we have an engine in Germany that runs on 100% hydrogen. So we're doing it. So the the ability for the engine to do it, at least with Jumbacher, is there. So we could do it technically. Now it's just a matter of what's the driver for it. If it's economics, it's hydrogen, hydrogen at least the power gen, isn't going to happen in the near term. If it's uh, trying to prove out a technology uh, or prove out demand for hydrogen that could then help scale electrolyzers or other parts of the value chain to get the cost down, I think we'll see some pilot projects in the next couple of years. And, and, and frankly, that's what I would like to be a part of is being on a team, a development team, or working with a customer to get one of the first or second or third or maybe even the, the first three or four uh, hydrogen to power projects in the U.S. Or, or maybe we'll do one with you guys in Canada. That'd be awesome. Uh, just to prove out the technology. It's always fun to be the, the first one to try to do something just from an intellectual challenge standpoint. So I, I th 10, 15 years from now, who knows if, if, if that's going to be the, the viable technology or fuel source um, Depending on what report you read, I think it'll give you a different answer. But I think it's interesting enough that we can ignore it. It'd be really fun to be a part of a demonstration project to prove it out. So that, that that's one place we're seeing a lot of buzz. But same thing with biogas. Like we're seeing a ton of biogas projects getting built, uh, and we have a couple that we're we're hoping to close here soon. And um, what, same thing with microgrids. A lot of talk. Yeah. What about what about syngas? You mentioned syncraft and and your relationship yeah. there. Where where do you see that fitting? Like, what do you see driving that industry? Those projects? How do you see that happening? Yeah, it, on my vantage point, right. So I, I I don't see everything that's happening in the U.S. or Canada or, or around the world, but in, in my world that I see, it's mostly a California opportunity. Um, oh yeah, just based for for a couple of factors. They have a good feed in tariff with the biomat. Um, they need to get rid of all that woody waste in the forest. Um, there's a couple, there's a confluence of factors on why it makes sense in California. So we're working on multiple projects actually 
there that we're really excited about and have um, engines already shipped to site and, and uh, that we're really excited to get those started. And then we have our two engines out in Hawaii running on some gas. That's not it's not uh, um, the green hydrogen that we we're talking about before, but still a sim gas fuel out in Oahu. So, yeah, so we we have some experience in it, both as our individual company and then the the, the broader Yambacher team as well. How how are you guys thinking about this energy transition? Like, I guess you guys are are in a position as as an engineering firm. You guys are just smart brains that can be applied to uh, probably any problem like thrown your way. But are, are you guys thinking about ta- like addressing the market differently, targeting the market differently? Listen, we'll ask. Think we'll ask. <laughs> I was just about to- <laughs> uh, it, it, Don't no, turn I'm, the tables, Morelli. That's right. That's right. I, you know, I, I love the question, and it's you know, so we're doing it a bunch of ways. I mean, we're we're client we're client led, you know, like you guys, and so you know, our, our client we we serve a lot of you know progressive clients, so they're they're bringing us into stuff. Um, you know, we, we have, we have one individual, one of our kind of six project directors, uh, who, you know, is almost exclusively focused on hydrogen, uh, and just, you know, it, it's, it's small wins, right? So it's, you know, initially yeah. it's more mobile applications, but it's getting our head around the, the technology and the players and the, you know, some of the infrastructure so that, you know, when, when the rest of the world comes around from a power gen perspective, we're there, we have, you know, we have experience. Um, the biogas RNG market is just crazy right now. And it's, yeah. you know, so we're just trying to, we're trying to keep up with it basically. Um, you know the sin. The sin gas is interesting to us because you know the province of Ontario just came out with an announcement around you know a biomass strategy and you know so so you know what does that you know in Canada we're really blessed with a lot of biomass reserves. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Um, we're kind of chasing. We're kind of pursuing uh, lots of different things. A little bit of a. I, I'm 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 currently reading uh, Jim Collins' most recent book, which is BE 2.0, and he he has this this uh, thing called he talks about either scatter shot or cannonballs, and and if you if you have only enough ga- gunpowder for one cannonball and you miss, you're out of gunpowder. Yeah. But if you take that gunpowder and you spread it across a lot of little scatter shots, you can adjust your trajectory and eventually you hit your target. And so that's kind mm-hmm. of our approach is we're we're kind of chasing everything in a small way. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, kind of seeing what's going to stick, um, which is, I mean, for us as, as technical folks, really exciting, right? Like, you know, yeah, totally. we're, 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 we're kind of all on, I tell people, um, you know, particularly a couple of days before payday, I say like, you guys are all on scholarship here. Like you get paid to learn all this different stuff. <laughs> you know, you're all, you're on all on a full ride scholarship. It's awesome. That, that is pretty cool. <laughs> Mike, you were you were talking about the math on projects and how you know we're really involved as BD people, kind of in the early phases of that. And I couldn't agree more. I know, I think you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you guys provide some financing solutions as well. And so I'm curious to hear what do you guys provide, and and do you see that becoming, you know, more and more important to get some of these projects to move? Because as you've stated, <clears throat> the economics on projects. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's hydrogen right now, and presumably that's still the case in in some ways. If it's in gas or if it's biogas, you know those projects aren't coming into that payback or IRR thresholds that people are mm-hmm. typically expecting to use their own capital. So is that something that you're seeing, you know, as part of Northeast Western having to offer uh, more and more? And and then if so, and, and or in addition to what what financing offers do you offer? I guess. 
Yeah, many of our clients are looking for some kind of off-balance sheet um, financing solution to kind of move yeah. it from a four to five, six-year payback to something that's more cash flow positive from year one. We actually don't offer uh, financing ourselves, but we partner okay. with others that do. Uh-huh, so, okay. like, so we're, we're definitely a part of projects that offer PPAs or ESAs or lease payments or CPAs. We've been involved in all those types of projects and some I probably could even mentioned, um, but we don't offer it ourselves. We, we view our, that's not a core competency for us and, and we never wanna feel like we're competing with some of our customers. But some of our customers mm-hmm. do do the development of PPA work uh, and they're really in it for the PPA and the, the long-term uh, financial revenue stream. So we'll bring in partners or they'll bring us into projects. So, but uh-huh. yeah, more and more, more clients are asking for that for sure so you could be developing a project and then obviously somebody indicates you know maybe early on you know at that math stage so to speak yeah yeah. that you know look i i can't we can't afford this but we're still interested in the project and so at that point that's when you bring in either a developer or some sort of a financiering partner to uh, to help you out okay exactly you're exactly right cool Mike, as we as we, uh, I know you're a busy sales executive. You're probably already four minutes late for your next, <laughs> next call. Want to be mindful. I'm, of I'm just trying to sell something so I can get out of this Yumbacher uh, <laughs> right package here. <laughs> um, what you know, as we kind of wind down here, what's your what's your advice for a, a young uh, Mike Norelli uh, or a young Lisa Barber? You know, somebody who's maybe finishing up their studies, pursuing, pursuing, thinking about pursuing a career in the energy space. Um, you know, any any words of of wisdom or any any vision of of where the future is going to be? How to how to succeed? It's a broad question, but uh, I know you'll wax philosophically in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> is that a nice way of saying bullshit? Um. No comment. <laughs> it's a Canadian way of saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what advice would I give young Mike Norelli or young Lisa Barba? Um, I'd say make sure you're having fun along the way, right? Like I think – I don't know if I fell in this trap, but I think sometimes you, you come out of undergrad being like, I'm going to conquer the world and I'm going to take my job really seriously. And you should do that, but you got to remember that this is like – that's one component of life and that you should surround yourself by people who are you like – working with that are really smart and make you want to kind of educate yourself and become smarter and, and push yourself to to perform at a high level. And I'd also say that um, I'm a big fan. I mentioned this earlier about continuous improvement. And I I think we all should be doing this regardless of what stage of the career we are, but like never, not just stop learning, but never stop looking for a small way to improve either what you're doing at work or what you're doing in your life, um, it, those small improvements add up. And, and if you could create a culture with the people around you, whether it's the, the team you're on or the people you you interact with, um, that like, all right, this is, we're, we're all trying to make each other better. We're all trying to make these projects better. I, I found that that's the best um, way to improve performance of myself and the teams that I've been a part of. And I think sometimes that often gets lost in like companies and leaders try to change things and say, all right, we're going to reorg the whole organization or we're going to like, you have to go to grad school to get better. Like that, 
I, I don't know if that's that, that's not always the right answer to those things, right? Um, I think oftentimes is if we could work together as a team to try to find small improvements every day, that's that's the better way to run your career, run your business, and navigate what's going to be consistently a changing energy landscape. So if you want to get have a career in the energy space, you better get used to being able to evolve and improve and change. So I don't know. Those are maybe two things I'd say. Wow. Profound words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that was great, Mike. From, from Michael <laughs> Anthony Norelli the fourth. Mike, yeah, man four. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Mike, this has been really fun. Uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, I know that uh, it took a while to get here, but uh, it was uh, it was worth the wait as it often is. Um, so thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, any any parting parting shots, parting words for, for either Lisa or I or our listeners? Um, I would say thank you for doing this podcast. I, I think it's really fun to have another um outlet to learn more about the energy space and hear some pe people having fun with their jobs and and learning from other people and i always like another podcast that you asked the origin story i think is what you asked me but mm -hmm. it's always fun to hear about different people's backgrounds and how they mm -hmm. got to where they are because uh, there's there's no one right way to do it and it's kind of fun to hear how um, the different paths people have taken and um yeah so so thanks for having me and, and maybe i'll sleep on this lisa i, I tried to have I wanted to do this last week, but Matt stood me up for this podcast because he had to go to oh. Arby's and get a, get a sandwich, he told me. So he, I guess he messed up his order or something. I don't really remember the story. but um. Oh, man. Uh, yes, I did have Arby's. And uh, now now I also know what I'm having for this week's Friday. Uh, uh -huh. drive through dining. Um, that's that's a that's another piece of content. Drive through dining with Matt. Um, you know, was, everything's content. Everything's Mike, content. Uh, love it, man. Look forward to uh, seeing you in person. Don't forget, if you start selling Waukesha's, the uh, shop where they're built is 15 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. So, um, so buy and say hi. Yeah, come by. Yeah, yeah. If you don't come by and say hi, uh, but uh, no, real pleasure. Uh, thank you for carving out your time. Looking forward to seeing you again, Lisa. As always, thank you for. Uh, I know that off script is not your favorite, but you did great. Uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to ask you some questions as well. Uh, and on behalf of our uh, listeners, or uh, to our listeners, thank you very much for for hanging with us. Hope you enjoyed this one. Give us some feedback. Send us a message. Uh, would love to hear. And until next time, this was episode uh, 56 of Energy Radio with Mike Norelli of Northeast Western Energy Systems. Uh, until we meet again, have fun and stay safe. Take care.